0: Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting from the Oilfield Expert Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.
1: And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bilotto, and today we have a great show lined up for you. We will be joined by the president of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, the Global Energy Institute, Marty Durbin. But first, before I bring him on, I'd like to talk to you Quickly about the latest issue of Shell Magazine. The cover is the feature CEO of Newstar, Brad Barron. We were able to catch up with him and learn all about his leadership, vision, and of course, all about Newstar. It's a story that you definitely want to read from an awesome company. Please, if you want to get your free digital copy of Shell Magazine, just visit shale, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. Again, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com, and you can download your free issue of Shell Magazine. I'd also like to talk to you about an upcoming event we're having in Corpus Christi. It is our sixth annual State of Energy Corpus Christi, in which our keynote speaker will be the CEO of Howard Energy, Mike Howard, We'll also be joined by the CEO of the Port of Corpus Christi, Sean Strawbridge. Both are huge fans of In the Wall Patch radio show and regular guests on our show. For more information, go to shellmag.com slash events and get your tickets. This will be a sold-out event if you want to sponsor or if you want to buy a table or tickets. Or just more information on the event, the place, Omni Hotel, the date, April 13th, go to shale, com slash events. And last, I'd like to encourage you to join Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. It is an organization of advocates that support the energy industry, that want to grow their brand and their business. For more information, go to TXEnergyAdvocates.org. Again, that's TXEnergyAdvocates.org. And we'll see you at the State of Energy, April 13th at the Omni Hotel. And now it's time to welcome on the editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. David, welcome to this week's show. How are you, buddy?
2: Oh, I'm wonderful. It's another beautiful day in Texas. It
1: sure is. Man, we are having great weather in San Antonio. But I understand our friends out in Midland are having a lot of rain going on out there.
2: Yeah, it's a mess, apparently.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're having good weather. Let's jump into our first topic. So OPEC Plus, countries... This week, they recommended further export cuts of 1.5 million barrels per day to go into effect as uh, soon as April 1st. I would you know, venture to say that that sounds like a great idea to me, but uh, you're more of the expert. Uh, is this going to be enough to balance the markets?
2: Well, that's a good question. Uh, I, I'm not sure, and I don't think anyone else is either. Uh, we have some wildly varying estimates on uh, how much demand has been... Uh, taken out of the global market as a result of the coronavirus uh, concerns, and um, nobody seems to really have a good handle on, uh, on how imbalanced the market really is. And what's been interesting to me is we haven't seen big increases in inventories of crude oil here in the United States to this point uh, as a result of the, the lowering demand in China. And, and so I think it's a kind of an open question on how big the impact has really been to, to global demand. IHS market thinks it's been really severe. They, they believe that uh, global demand for the first quarter of 2020 is going to be almost four million barrels a day less than it was mm-hmm. in the first quarter a year ago, which is huge. On the other hand, OPEC uh, uh, revised its Demand estimate down by about half a million barrels a day, so it, it just is uh, kind of this. And there several other estimates out there that with with diverse numbers too. So it, it's kind of hard to know at the moment, anyway, how big the, the the collapse of demand has actually been in the first quarter and where it will go for the rest of the year. But it's good to see OPEC at least weighing in with some additional export cuts.
1: Right, because I think there was some uncertainty if they were even going to cut to begin with. Speaking of IHS Market, they made a decision this week to cancel their annual Sarah Week Conference that happens in Houston, which was a huge disappointment for us because, you know, we were scheduled to be there on their national media row with all the other national media and unfortunately got cut. So what kind of impact, though, do you think the loss of this major conference is doing out there in the way for, you know, the industry? Because it came out of nowhere and it was quite disappointing to a lot of people.
2: Yes, it was very sudden. It was announced on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, No one had any, uh, I don't think anybody in the public had any real notion that that was about to happen. Right. Of course, it was canceled due to concerns about coronavirus. And, you know, you have people. So Sarah, we, brings in five six thousand people from all over the globe
1: mm-hmm. uh, 80 different countries for coming in
2: yeah mm-hmm. yeah uh, you know and it's the premier thought leadership conference anywhere in the country so it's it's a huge event for the industry it uh, really is, is a place where you know all these leaders and, and the people who attend this conference as opposed to some of the other conferences are CEOs I mean they're the mm-hmm. top people at their companies the oil ministers from all the OPEC nations and Russia are there every year. And it's this tremendous exchange of ideas uh, that also brings together all these big players. And, and, you know, over the years, there have been a lot of major deals that germinated at the networking events yeah. related to Sierra Week. And so, I, I, you know, it just is one of those things where it's, it's a place where, the industry has converged the real leaders in the industry have converged every year to share all these ideas and make deals that is not going to happen and so you wonder you know what impacts that will have in terms of of, uh, how many mergers and acquisitions take place for the rest of the year for example uh so it's a it's a it's a very it's a blow to the industry i think and and just its, its general business activity for the rest of the year.
1: Well, you know, my question is is how uh, I can understand, Sarah, bringing in 80 different countries from all over the world and we have this – ban going on there might have been logistical problems maybe they had their speakers that were not able to come versus more of the scare of the virus itself because if you're relatively healthy you're probably okay while I'm not an MD you know just listening to unless you have some form of a, a health issue you know even if you contracted you'd be okay Houston is the mega for these conferences and so now you know my question is we have OTC coming up in the first week of May And with the cancellation of, you know, other conferences, big conferences like Sarah Week, you know, how do you see this impacting the host city, Houston? And, you know, does this continue? Uh, You know, President Trump is saying, you know, calm down, stop, (laughs) uh, stop freaking out. It's everything's okay because this virus is not as bad as the flu virus. Correct. And so, you know, does it have the potential of affecting OTC, too?
2: Well, I, you know, the, the organizers of OTC announced on Thursday that they are planning to move it forward with the conference, which is, you know, takes place the first week in May, uh, but there's seven, eight weeks uh, until that time, and uh, so I, I think largely it just depends on how things develop between now and then, whether it will actually go forward, but hopefully it will, it, and the thing with OTC is it's just in terms of the sheer numbers of people, Right. attend OCC, it's like 30,000, 40,000
1: people. I thought I heard 100,000 people attend OTC yeah. over that week's period of time. It's huge.
2: Yeah, yeah, and, and so it's a gigantic deal, um, and it, it brings all this economic development and income into the city of Houston. All right. the restaurants are full, you know. Hotels are full. Agencies, huh. Hotels are all full, and yada, 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 and, and so the cancellation of an event like that would be a a really big economic hit to the city itself, and hopefully that won't need to happen. Uh, and the other thing about OTC it's, it's like Sierra Week for the offshore. You know, right. it's it's the all the big companies that that drill for oil in the offshore all over the, the world, mm-hmm. and it's this again exchange tremendous exchange of ideas and technologies and deal making that, that goes on at the networking events. So it's a major major thing for the industry as well as the city.
1: Well, you know, the the thing that I wonder, though, is, you know, with OTC and Sarah Week, it is a huge conference, but it's built off of a a global or world view. And so a lot of these attendees are not from the United States. So I don't necessarily want to confuse that. Is it really the coronavirus or is it more of these countries as trying to just slow it down here and these countries are really not able to come in and access these conferences so therefore low attendance on something that's so expensive maybe the other option might be for OTC to just push it back <laughs> a couple of months as opposed to saying we're going to go forward and then you have to cancel at the last minute because your attendees can't get here.
2: Well it's it's for, for an event of that magnitude it becomes so difficult just from a logistical standpoint. I mean OTC occupies you know the entire George R. R. Brown Convention Center basically. Oh,
1: yeah. And the outside and, and they parking lot.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, it's huge. And, and so trying to reschedule something of that magnitude uh, would be really really difficult for the organizers. Um, but you know I mean it, it, these are real considerations that are taking place in real time right now for everyone in the industry yeah. just in terms of travel. Right. Some companies have even gone to the bans on international travel uh, you know due to all these concerns and right, exactly and uh, so it, this is something everybody's going to have to deal with for the
1: I Oh it has a rippling effect for sure. We've interviewed Deloitte and uh, Baker Hughes and they both are on a no travel ban right now yeah. themselves too. So we're seeing it across the board. Large companies are just being, you know, careful with their Yeah, Um, staff and stuff. Well, David, that is all the time we have for today. I look forward to having you on next week, which I'm sure we'll have an update on the coronavirus and more. But thanks for joining us today. We'll look forward to talking to you next week.
3: Mark your calendars for Shale Magazine's 6th annual State of Energy in beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas, April 13th at the Omni Hotel. Keynote speaker this year will be Mike Howard, CEO of Howard Energy, along with the CEO of the Port of Corpus Christi, Sean Strawbridge. The luncheon will discuss the state of energy, climate change, and poverty and prosperity. Don't wait to get your tickets. This will be a sold-out event. For more information to purchase your tickets or sponsor the event, go to shalemag.com event. Again, That's
4: shalemag.com slash event or go to Shale Magazine's Facebook page. Don't wait or it'll be too late. Get your tickets or table now. For more information, go to shalemag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. And we'll see you in Corpus Christi on April 13th. hey you. Do you want to join the fastest-growing oil and gas network in Texas? Ma'am, I'm all for growing my business. So you've got my attention. What is it? Teak is the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. They hold business mixers to help businesses grow and network. Any cost to join? For the next 90 days, it's completely free, no charge to join. But they do want like-minded individuals to attend who are interested in growing their business and networking. Well, I want to join. Where should I go? Go to shalemag.com slash teak and click on the Join link. Enter your information and we'll get you set up. Join the
0: Texas Energy Advocates Coalition at shalemag.com slash teak today. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com.
1: And now it's time to bring on our guest, Marty Durbin, who is the president of Global Energy Institute with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce in D.C. Marty, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show.
3: Thank you, Kim. Happy to be
1: here. We are so happy to get a moment. You guys are doing a lot of things, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. We've worked with you guys in the past, Shell Magazine and uh, in the Patch Radio Show. But you guys recently released a report on fracking, and we're going to dive into it on this show. But before we get going, I, I wanted to ask you if you would, first of all, Tell us a little bit more about the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, its mission. What are you guys hoping to accomplish, and especially your this department uh, that focuses on energy?
3: Sure. Well, of course, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce represents the broad business community you know, throughout the country, uh, and uh, to, you know, to support free enterprise and uh, to the, you know, the, the market-based solutions to the different policy issues that are that are out there. At the, Across the country, uh, and to, to be able to show that the you know the business community itself uh, has to be part of the solution to all of these different uh, uh, challenges and opportunities that we have as a nation. So that's a, a good deal of what the, the the chamber focuses on across. You know, you, you imagine all the different policies from trade to tax to you know to energy, um, and and that's where you know, focus of, of of my team is but uh, at the Global Energy Institute is the you know the critical role that energy has played uh, across our economy and you know bringing benefits both economic environmental uh, and strengthening our energy security
1: so when I look at the US Chamber of Commerce and you have everyone knows uh, a chamber in their local area but you guys your organization actually sits in DC and it is it looking at all the chambers in a way that are these all members as well uh, or you do you all somehow or another represent the other chambers or are you guys independent
3: there's a complete mix some of of the chambers out there are, you know, are, are officially members of the U.S. Chamber. Others, others are not. Uh, but whether they are or not, we we you know coordinate with them. Mm-hmm. Frankly, the, the the state and local chambers are are, are part of the real strength um, right. of of the you know of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and and the business community, yeah, um, uh, you know, the broad business community. It is those chambers at the local and the state level that are able to carry the message on the the important role that they play. Uh, in the communities where they are across the economy and across the country.
1: So let's jump into you all decided to really dive into energy. We're at a point right now where there's a lot of elected officials running for the presidency, and uh, they talk a lot about banning fracking or hydraulic fracturing. And there's also been a lot of talk about climate change as of recently. You guys are the the chamber, uh, Global Energy Institute, if you will, created and actually took a, a real deep dive into this. So I want to start with, first of all, obviously, everybody is familiar with how important oil and gases to the economy. And of course, there's the environment when you thought into context as well. This report, first of all, tell me a little bit about why you all felt it necessary to do such a deep dive into what would happen if we would start regulating fracking right out of existence here in the United States
3: sure sure well first of all kim is you 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 just said that you think you know everybody understands the the importance of the oil and gas industry unfortunately that's not the case uh, and i think part of what we're trying to do and i'm not arguing with you i'm saying but yeah, i think sure, that, sure, sure. You know, this is you know, one of the roles we play here is that so we can help educate you know the public, media, the you know elected officials, and others on on the critical role that uh, that energy and oil and gas industry, of course, plays across the economy. So if you go back to 2016, the Global Energy Institute, during that presidential election, you know noted that there were you know we, we, there were a few candidates that were calling for various policy proposals, including a ban on fracking and uh, and others as well. So what the, what the Global Energy Institute did was to start a series of reports, which we call the Energy Accountability Series. And the intent was, if we're going to have candidates for office, you know, making proposals, and we understand how campaigns work, and you know, candidates will make proposals and trying to, you know, to get attention from either, you know, the base of the vote or you know, however to distinguish themselves, what have you. But we also feel strongly that they have to be held accountable, you know, to those proposals. So. Four years ago they looked at not only what if you ban fracking, but what if pipelines weren't built into the Northeast or what if we were paying, you know, European energy taxes or, you know, those types of things. So, you know, this year, I guess last year now, when we started to see more and more of the candidates running for, for president, just kind of throw out that yes, we'll ban fracking. In fact, we'll ban fracking everywhere. We thought once again, this is an opportunity where we can dig into this and be able to show that here's what it really means if you were to ban fracking, you know, when you come into office, with you're, you're saying that's what you're going to do, then starting in 2021 and for the next five years, what will that, that impact be? Not just on, you know, the, the production of oil and natural gas, but on, on the number of jobs that would be affected by that, on what it would, it's going to cost people in, in their homes. So, your, you know, your energy costs both at the pump and, and at home, uh, and, and this and, and the broad impact across the economy um so so that was that was the intent of what we wanted to do and and importantly we're focusing on states that, that we know number one are benefiting greatly from natural gas and oil production mm-hmm. uh, and number two, they tend to have democratic uh, elected officials and so when you have if you have democratic candidates for president coming into a state where they're expecting to find support. And suddenly they're told, wait a minute, you say you want to take away the economic engine of our state that's allowing us to improve our schools and our infrastructure and you know, all types t- types of other things that they're able to do uh, because of hydraulic fracturing and, and production of energy in those
1: states. And, you know, I don't think that there could be a greater organization doing this in-depth in report, because when oil and gas speaks... And they talk about their numbers. I think people tend to look at it a little, "Mm, I don't know if I really trust your numbers or what you're saying how important it is to the economy. But if it's an independent business chamber saying it that has, by the way, the majority of its members are business folks, this is going to impact your business too. You might not think that you're in energy, but if energy goes, there's a good chance you're going to have a problem with your company as well. So... I'm glad you guys did this report. I'm excited to get into it and really uh, talk about some numbers. We're going to get ready for break, but when we return from break, we'll get back into those numbers. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back.
0: Do you know what artificial intelligence can do for your operation? It's probably time to find out. With Aspentech software, your business can harness the full power of AI to achieve new levels of performance. Aspentech's leading edge solutions are a critical part of the world's largest oil and gas chemical and engineering companies helping them improve safety, sustainability, reliability. Drawing on decades of industry experience, AspenTech is using AI, machine learning, and predictive analytics to help companies digitally optimize the design, operation, and maintenance of their facilities. Find out how AspenTech can help you win tomorrow with the technology of today. Learn more at www.aspentech.com/ai shale oil and gas business magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing our digital advertising services include website email radio video and social media shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management visit our website shalemag.com
1: And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Marty Durbin, president of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, specifically the Global Energy Institute. Marty, before the break, we were discussing a report that you guys did on uh, the benefits of hydraulic fracturing and what would happen if we would either get too heavy in regulation or our government. Uh, Somehow or another, we outlaw fracking. uh, As some candidates have said, who are running for office. So let's start with the Global Energy Institute. You guys put out a report a couple of weeks back. Let's start with the first chapter of this report, and it's discussing how hydraulic fracturing is delivered today. Uh, Specifically, tell me about that specific chapter.
3: I think what, what people need to understand is that this is the what hydraulic fracturing has brought. First of all, this was the product of of technology innovation, entrepreneurship within the industry, and quite frankly, risk taking. That's one of the the, the the hallmarks of the U.S. Uh, economy is that it encourages the type of entrepreneurial risk-taking that then results in these huge innovations that then you know leap us forward in our ability to to, to produce energy and obviously many other areas as well. But what it's meant for the United States is that at a time you know, when we thought we were in a period of energy scarcity and we were going to have to be more reliant on importing uh, oil and natural gas, we very quickly realized that uh, production levels were going to continue to increase We've seen, uh, even even as I I think about the name of your show, Oil Patch Radio, well, historically, you would think that was Texas, Louisiana, and Oklahoma, and now we're talking about the the Rocky Mountains, the Upper Plain states, the Mid-Atlantic states. Uh, that are all part of the oil patch because of these innovations that, that hydraulic fracturing and, and horizontal drilling have allowed us to uh, you know to, to just leapfrog uh, in our in our now energy security to the point that we are now the world's largest producer of oil and natural gas. So we're helping to greatly reduce our reliance uh, on uh, on imported oil. Um, and in fact, we are now a you know, we have been a net exporter for the last several months of both oil, natural gas, and petroleum products more broadly. So the benefits that brings across the economy it's not just about the oil and natural gas industry. What are the various things that go that oil and natural gas go into? In addition to reducing the price of gasoline when you when you're filling up your car or the electricity in your home because more natural gas is being used, you know the petrochemical industry is now looking at, because of the, the abundance of natural gas, investing over $200 billion here in the United States building new chemical facilities.
1: A lot of uh, listeners don't really make the connection to how it specifically is going to affect them as well at the gas pump and your, your utility bills like you were stating but also we recently saw an attack on one of the largest refineries in Saudi Arabia right. and in past before the United States was actually focusing a lot on fracking I don't necessarily think that we would have responded the way we did had this been you know 10 years ago which was just like a little bump in the road even though of course this was a you know a terrible thing that happened it didn't affect the United States like it would have probably in past had we not been doing hydraulic fracturing and so I think a lot of listeners should understand it also is sometimes or not even sometimes a lot of times it comes down to a matter of national security for us being energy dominant or independent if you will so we're not having to lead our way back into Wars, if you will, yep. from other countries.
2: No, that's
3: absolutely right. I mean, it, it, you know, 12 years ago, 10 years ago, maybe even five years ago, if you had seen that attack on a, on a, on the on the Saudi refining facility, uh, and many other events that have happened over the last several years, were you know tensions between Saudi Arabia and Iran, or you know Libya's production coming coming you know going offline we're seeing almost no impact. Even with that Saudi refinery, I believe there was about two days where the price of crude oil went up uh, for a few dollars and came right back down. That wouldn't be happening if you didn't have such, uh, uh, not just the volume, but the reliability Uh, Of US uh, oil and natural gas production
1: it's interesting because the consumer didn't feel it at the pump right and we really didn't have any kind of a shortage when we get back from break I want to get back on this topic but I want to talk a little bit about how when we had Hurricane Harvey come through Houston and Texas the consumer did feel it but it was for a very different reason you're listening to in the oil patch radio show we'll be right back
4: hey you Do you want to join the fastest-growing oil and gas network in Texas? Ma'am, I'm all for growing my business, so you've got my attention. What is it? Teak is the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. They hold business mixers to help businesses grow and network. Any cost to join? For the next 90 days, it's completely free, no charge to join. But they do want like-minded individuals to attend who are interested in growing their business and networking. Well, I want to join. Where should I go? Go to shalemag.com slash teak and click on the join link enter your information and we'll get you set up join
0: the texas energy advocates coalition at shale mag.com slash teak today
1: and we're back you're listening to in the oil patch radio show our guest today is marty durbin who is president U.S. Chamber of Commerce, Global Energy Institute. Marty, before the break, we're talking about how it it seems that energy is so important. It has turned into a topic of it's a matter of national security that we should continue to frack as well. And I know we have a lot of uh, individuals that are thinking, well, you know, Kim, what about the climate? Uh, the climate is important and we're, we're going to talk on that, too. But we also need to realize that. Because of fracking happening in North America, a lot of things have changed on a global picture for us. And going to war and sending our children off, our young men and women to go fight uh, in another country, it's really diminished a lot because of fracking. But also, we, you know, before the break, I was telling you when Hurricane Harvey came in uh, and hit Texas, the coastline. There was a disruption in gas stations and you know access to uh, gas, if you will. but it wasn't because we were running out of gas or anything like what happened in the 70s. It was actually because the transportation lines were down. Hence, to the necessary uh, need for uh, infrastructure. And And, you know, Marty, you live in D.C. Here we witnessed lines like back in the 70s of people hurrying to get to their local gas station and filling up. And gas stations were running out of gas. So it's important for the economy. It's important for the business sector. It's, it's important for uh, national security and wars, but let's talk a little bit about also uh, how much it's going to impact the economy in your report. What would happen if we just, someone got elected to office that said from day one, I'm going to ban fracking on federal lands and uh, offshore. What does that day look like for us?
3: well for based, based on our report, what that shows is that you know banning fracking would eliminate nineteen million jobs across the country
1: nineteen and million jobs
3: nineteen million jobs and reduce GDP by over seven trillion dollars over the five year period and to put that in perspective there's a seven trillion dollars over the five year period the u s economy is about twenty trillion dollars annually so it means it's a huge portion of the of, of the economy and will and will have a devastating impact and it's not just about oil producing states you know natural gas producing states and the industry itself you know this flows down to every manufacturing you can you can think of uh, and and you know and, and down into you know not, again, not just how we use energy on our own in our own lives but uh, every product you can think comes out of a petrochemical plant into plastics in the pharmaceuticals what have you so in addition in our report in addition to looking at you know five energy producing states oil and natural gas producing states we looked at two that aren't we looked at Wisconsin and, and Michigan, that aren't big producers of oil and natural gas, but they're huge beneficiaries of the, uh, of both the amount and the and, and the low cost. Uh, of, of energy here. They're, as, as you can imagine, big manufacturing states. <clears throat> so we, we saw you know, uh, big impacts there as well, and that a fracking ban would increase the cost of living for the average consumer in, in Wisconsin and Michigan. Uh, in, in Wisconsin, it was uh, $4,700, and, uh, and in Michigan, $5,100. Um, you know, that, that's real money when you're talking family by family.
1: Well, in 19 million jobs, it's also I'm thinking of the entrepreneur and the business that has, you know, all these employees that you're going to have to make tough choices on who keeps their job and uh, who you're going to have to lay off. I mean, the impact just... It's 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 just spread across the whole entire uh, chain of this Let's right. talk think about-
3: from a household standpoint. If I'm paying more, for, if, I, if that our, our report says if you do this, the price of gasoline would double. <clears throat> the price of mm-hmm. electricity could go up by four times. So what you're paying at your household. Well, if that happens now, your disposable income has gone down. You, your job may have been affected as well, but now you have less money to spend in other parts of the economy. And that's that's essentially the model we use. It's called an implant model for this report that that, that uh, looks at the dynamic uh, forces between an industry, the government, and the consumer and how you know, actions by any one of them are then going to have, have these uh, 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 knock on the economic effects.
1: Let's drill down because your report also – I mean it was just – it's such a great report. Everyone should go to this report. You have real data in there, a lot of figures, uh, also some of the elected officials and their positions that are running for presidency right now and their position. And every one of them, every single candidate that's running on the Democratic platform, the majority that are in the lead right now, are all talking about fracking will be gone if they get elected. That's a scary thought with 19 million jobs on the line. That's a crazy number to think about, but. What about specifically, like a state in Texas, and we are a huge benefactor of uh, fracking. What would happen if that happened here? What, what would ta- what would Houston look like?
3: I mean, it, 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 it's huge impact. So, as we looked at Texas alone, in mean, I mean, fiscal year 2018, the oil and gas industry paid over 14 billion dollars in taxes in Texas, and contributed about 463 billion dollars to the overall state economy. So, by some estimates, you know that's about 29 percent of the entire Texas economy. Mm. Uh, and Texas is, of course, home to over 65 percent of the U.S. petrochemical industry's workforce. And those jobs have wages averaging over $170,000 per employee. So if if suddenly we say we're going to stop producing and you start to see the, the, the impact of that flow through the economy, an area like Houston, Corpus Christi, you know, uh, Texas City, you know, all, all those areas are going to be greatly impacted by such a policy.
1: And, and, you know, our listeners, Marty, are thinking, well, you know, I live Corpus Christi or I live in uh, El Paso. That might not really affect me. That rainy day fund is, is vital to Texas. It really supports the state. If we get into a pickle somewhere, our legislators have the opportunity to go in there and tap into it. It's almost like a savings account for the state of Texas. And, what funds it is oil and gas. So it affects everyone in this state is my point. And uh, energy, oil and gas, and fracking specifically is vital to our economy. When we get back from break, Marty, I, I want to talk about manufacturing and, and what does that look like and how is it affected? You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back.
0: Remember this name, Oil Field Experts, to locate any part, any time, for your automotive or oil-filled equipment needs. Oilfield Experts specialty is those hard to find oilfield parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oilfield Experts 210 471 1923. Again, that's 210 471 1923, and visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com.
4: I'm Tracy Bentley, the CEO President of the Permian Strategic Partnership, an alliance of 19 energy companies located in West Texas and Southeast New Mexico. For the first time in history, our companies have come together with one goal in mind, supporting our community. In 2019, our first full year of existence, we committed more than $30 million to support six major initiatives, built partnerships with dozens of community stakeholders, and helped secure an additional $1 billion in state and federal funding for roadway improvements in the Permian Basin. By partnering with local leaders, we will continue to work hard to make roads safer, improve schools, upgrade health care, increase affordable housing, and train the next generation of workers. Because we don't just work here, we live here, and neighbors are supposed to help each other out.
3: For more information,
0: go to Permian.com partnership.org. any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry shale oil and gas business magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business so let's start growing your business in texas email us info at shalemag.com again that's info at shale s-h-a-l-e mag m-a-g
1: We're back. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Marty Durbin, president of Global Energy Institute with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Marty, before the break, we we got into what would it look like if we started to remove fracking, either through legislation, overregulation, maybe a little bit of both, and we talked specifically about what Texas would look like if if that was to come to pass. Let's talk about manufacturing, because the manufacturing section also, we're starting to see under President Trump, a lot of manufacturing jobs are coming back that have been uh, overseas or out of the country. They're coming back. But what does it look like in the manufacturing end of this if if we have a ban on fracking?
3: Well, let's uh, step back for a minute. It was the, the shale revolution is, is, is what has helped propel the manufacturing industry um, over the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I previously worked with uh, an association representing the chemical industry. I can tell you that 12 years ago, there wasn't a single chemical company that was planning to build a new world-class chemical plant in the United States. And the wow. primary reason for that is because natural gas costs were too high. Mm-hmm. So they were looking elsewhere around the world. Today, all that's changed. As a, the, the American Chemistry Council announced, uh, uh, has announced, uh, uh estimated that there's more than 200 billion dollars worth of capital investment from the pet- petrochemical industry going into the United States because of this availability of abundant affordable and reliable natural gas you know here in the United States you know the the employment impacts of that alone are enormous but you think about how ev- every other industry that the chemical industry feeds into you know from plastics to pharmaceuticals to you know auto manufacturing you know you name it that's um, in some in some areas of the country. You know, they refer to a you know, rebirth of the Rust Belt, you know, where you had, where manufacturing had left, and now you had you know, steel steel plants that were actually reinvesting or expanding. Uh, because of this uh, not only the the, the the more affordable cost of their inputs from electricity but because there's now markets for them you know if you talk to a, a, a caterpillar dealer or a, you know a John Deere or any or any uh, you know automotive dealer who's you know uh, who operates in areas where you see an oil and natural gas uh, you know, production I mean, They've been doing very well, so I mean, just the 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 impact throughout the economy has been enormous, and and all in a, in in a, to, to the benefit.
1: You know, I, I'm looking at your report again, and I'm seeing what what would happen here. How te- Texas is benefiting greatly from the Shell Revolution, if you will. So, I'll just cover a few of these numbers before we we head out. Seven thousand two hundred and eighty. Would be the average for goods and services from 2021 to 2025. There's more than 3.2 million jobs here in Texas that would be right. lost. 1.5 trillion of the Texas economy would be lost to either local or state governments, would be collecting, what, 106.6 billion less in taxes.
2: That's right.
1: This is some crazy, absolutely unacceptable numbers. And I just can't stress enough we can talk about the climate. And we can try to do better, I think. We might be able to become greener, which I do see this happening from the energy sector. They're actually lowering air emissions. But at the end of the day, it's just something that we cannot get off of. It's just not possible. It actually sustains life in many ways. You know, there's 20% of the the world still has lack of energy, which comes back to they're going to have higher infant mortality rates. They don't live as long as we do. So when I look at the energy solution and and what is it, of course, I, I don't really know what it is, but I do believe that we have to really seriously think about who we're electing because these elections are going to have consequences. And do we really want to turn off the spigot if we know that we're going to increase infant mortality? A lot of elderly's need... Machines to stay alive. I mean, there's a big problem with these environmentalists that are getting people to believe that, hey, we can just uh, turn off the spigot. And then you know what we're going to do? We're going to go buy from Saudi Arabia again, and we're going to be back in a pickle. <laughs> What's your thoughts on that?
3: But, you know, we should don't, don't forget, it. I mean, there's, there's a good story to tell on the climate side of this as well. Greater use of natural gas since 2005 has reduced carbon dioxide emissions here in the United States by over 2.8 billion metric tons. Now, No other fuel sources come close to that. And that reduction is about equivalent to the reductions we've seen from Australia, Brazil, Canada, France, Germany, and the U.K. combined. So not only has it been a huge benefit here in the U.S. to drive down carbon emissions, But because we now have the ability to be the world's largest exporter of natural gas, Mm -hmm. yet the developing world out there that is going to have to – that they will have to meet a growing energy demand. And for them to be able to meet it with a cleaner fuel than what they are using now is a benefit to everyone. It's certainly an economic benefit, but it's a national security benefit, uh, and it is a global environmental benefit.
1: You're absolutely right. I mean, there are so many positives. And uh, when we look at the climate and we want to have this discussion, let's turn this off. Okay, What are we going to use as a solution? Because I think you have to figure that out before we start turning things off or it's useless anyway because uh, it's not sustainable. Uh, Everything we use, everything we create is is a byproduct of either oil or gas. And I also believe that our operators and this industry, they're so dynamic in how they do things that they actually think about how to produce it greener, if you will, or how to be more resourceful and less wasteful. I was interviewing uh, the Deloitte LLP the other day on the show, and they were discussing uh, how the chemical plants are moving into and and all, all that sector into really um, trying to limit plastics in a one-time plastic use to some form of renewable, you're not going to see that anywhere in the world. There isn't going to be another country out there focusing on the environment the way the United States does to create something to make it greener for for the global planet, in my opinion, because then, of course, they have access to it and they use it. So I think that the United States is the leader in trying to figure out what is going to be our energy solution for the future, Marty, before we go, where can someone go to get this report? Is it already online? It is,
3: yes. So you go to um, globalenergyinstitute.org, and you can see the report there
1: do you all have other reports as well on a- we
3: do you'll find some other other reports up there from our from our previous series but uh, uh, I would also encourage you to look at some of the, the other, other things we have on that website about the you know as you were talking about the the, the enormous innovation energy innovation from this industry right. uh, and what they're doing to address all of these you know what, what are now you know increased you know public expectations for for uh, uh energy and the environment so I think there's a lot of really interesting work that that, that, that companies are doing to improve their efficiency and perform per, improve their environmental performance, safety, and all the rest.
1: Well, I'll tell you, I, I was very impressed with y'all's report and also what you guys are doing at the Global Energy Institute in, in focusing it, but bringing it down to where an average consumer or average individual can understand the impact, because sometimes the energy sector doesn't do that so well. They they, they kind of talk to themselves. These you know, very techie type of discussions. Engineers would understand and geologists would understand. But for the average person, not so much. And this is where they can go to the Global Energy Institute to gather more information on energy and increase a person's energy iq if you will but marty thank you for being a guest i really appreciate you giving us some time today to talk about your report
0: in the oil patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil gas business and in your community every week your host kim balotto will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry you'll hear from industry experts elected officials and many more right here on in the oil patch